What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Tuesday, April 5th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Josie Duffy Rice, and this is What a Day, where we're hoping Sarah Palin becomes the first former contestant on The Masked Singer to lose a race for Congress. Yes, she entered into a special Alaska election last week. They said that if she loses it, she has to keep doing the <laughs> masked rap from the yeah. show uh-huh. in perpetuity. I don't know. It's Alaska rules. I don't know. On today's show, two major international reports say that now is the time to act on climate change before it is too late. Spoiler alert. Uh, Well, yeah. Uh, Plus, Elon Musk buys billions in Twitter stock. But first, we are going to dive deeper on the historic win that Amazon workers earned last Friday at a warehouse in Staten Island, New York. The Amazon Labor Union, or ALU, is independent and was formed by workers. It earned recognition for a union less than a year into its existence, which is basically unheard of and without a lot of comparisons to draw upon. So it has been an eventful time for workers there and especially for Chris Smalls, who founded ALU. Gideon, you got a chance to catch up with him yesterday, is that right? Yes. Uh, So last Friday, when all this was happening, actually marked almost two years to the day since Smalls was fired from that very facility after he staged a walkout to protest health and safety measures that Amazon had taken, or rather not taken, as the pandemic was bearing down on New York City. Not long after that, as I'm sure a lot of people will remember, a memo leaked where Amazon's general counsel, David Sapolsky, referred to Smalls as, quote, not smart or articulate. Very, very cool thing to say. Yeah. Uh, Fueled in part by that and the initial defeat of efforts to unionize at a separate Amazon facility in Alabama, Smalls began to organize his former coworkers. Many barbecues, bus stop conversations, and the like later, they won. And they overcame millions that Amazon spent on anti-union consultants and even multiple arrests. So Smalls and I have spoken a number of times on this show over the last couple of years. But I, of course, wanted to check in with him again now. And I started by asking how it felt to win last week and what he's been hearing. We've been contacting from workers from all over the world, from here to South Africa, from here to India, Canada, Australia. It's just been um, amazing to share this experience with you know, the whole nation, number one, uh, New York City, definitely uh, Staten Island, creating history and also the world as well. When you look back on this, what do you think the union did the best like throughout the campaign? Is there actually anything that you would change in terms of how you did it? Absolutely not. I love how this campaign came together. We definitely hit our bumps and bruises, but um, staying independent, staying worker led, that's the best way to go when you're talking about Amazon because we know the ins and outs of the company. We live the reality of the situation. We know the grievances, we know the concerns, we know the language, you know, and we come from the community. You know, the workers uh, appreciate that we're actually just ordinary people trying to do the right thing for them. You and some workers at the facility were arrested earlier this year. Is your sense that what Amazon did in terms of how heavy handed it was against the union ended up backfiring? Did that help 
get people to understand what was at stake? Absolutely. Of course, after you arrest some of the organizers, not once, but twice, then you arrest me. That definitely turned some workers against Amazon for that because they felt that, you know, we were just doing our normal thing. You know, it's not like we're staying on the property or trespassing. We should have been treated. I should have been treated like any other delivery service job, no food like I normally do anyway. And when the video came out, people that were undecided or on the fence about the ALU, that was the turning point for them. Right, right. This is definitely a huge collective effort, obviously, and it's not exclusively about you, but I think Amazon did, in a lot of cases, sort of make this about you. You know, obviously, uh, in the case of the general counsel, David Zapolsky, you know, referring to you in that meeting as, you know, quote unquote, not smart or articulate. What would you say to him now if you had an opportunity to sort of talk to him knowing what we know now? That didn't age well (laughs) for him. I let the work speak for itself. You know, um, I got the last laugh. You know, he got the letter, you know, the letter that, you know, we uh, sent the general manager with our demands. We made sure we forwarded to his email as well. Now he has to come bargain with us and that's the most beautiful thing to bring the workers pretty much to seattle on paper right i was reading a little bit about this in the last couple of days and it was really interesting i think it was connor spence who was talking to bloomberg and he said that there were these calculated risks that alu was taking like requesting that vote when you had basically sort of a bare minimum of support going in instead of waiting a little bit longer can you talk a little bit more about that and sort of i don't know if you'd call them risks but for the sake of the question, risks that ended up paying off? Well, yeah, we did a lot of those. <laughs> Most traditional campaigns, established unions, they wait until they get about 80% of the building to file for a petition. Obviously, with Amazon's turnover rate, you're not getting 80% of the building. So we had no choice but to get going with the minimum, which is 30%. And once we got in with the 30%, we knew that we had a small window to start to increase that percentage. And that's exactly what we did. The numbers don't lie. You know, we got 55% of the workers vote yes. Right. I think a lot of people are trying to look back and understand how this went differently. So I guess when you think about it, like, what, if anything, does this mean for organizing with more traditional unions? Like, how did this change people's idea of how this can happen? They had 28 years to do it. You know, that's all the established unions, you know, and we did it in 11 months. So it says that it has to come from the workers to me. The workers have to organize themselves, and that's exactly what the ALU represents. We are the actual Amazon workers, whether we're current or former. Any established union, I'm not deterring them from organizing. It's just that when they do organize the buildings, they have to make sure that they're building with their workers first. They have to educate themselves uh, how Amazon operates. Other than that, they won't be able to get it done if they think that the traditional style unionizing is going to work because it's just not. Can you talk to people about what happens next here and what conversations have been like so far about actually bargaining for a contract? Yeah, right now, you know, we have to uh, get some more legal representation. But in the meantime, in between time, you know, we got to prepare for our second election, which is in three weeks. So we got a lot on our plate right now. But I'm confident in my team, you know, um, somehow, some way we're going to get it done. What are some of the things that you want to make sure gets into the contract or, or what are the things that people are talking about they want to see in there? Well, number one, we're fighting for higher wages. We're proposing 30000 an hour. We're fighting for job security, better medical leave options, longer breaks, making everybody a shareholder again, which they stopped in uh, 2018. 
making sure that they bring back the BCP program for the veteran Amazon workers. We were getting monthly bonuses for attendance and productivity. We want to include that back in the contract. And obviously having a pension, free college for yourself and your children, creating a shuttle bus service for workers that need to travel to the uh, ferry. Now, all the things that is affordable that Amazon can do in the short term, we want to start working on that right away. I'm curious also, do you see any similarities between what ALU is doing and can do with Amazon facilities and what's happening at Starbucks where it sort of seemed like it's just a couple of locations and then all of a sudden, you know, with Starbucks, we're talking about like hundreds across the country. Absolutely. We'll be able to uh, branch out and spread like wildfire, just like Starbucks. It's going to take us a little bit more time because we don't have 12 people in the bargaining unit. We're talking you know, thousands. So it's going to take us some time. But I'm confident that um, you'll start to see more unions pop up with Amazon, especially under the ALU uh, branch in due time. So Josie, that was my conversation with Chris Smalls, the founder of the Amazon Labor Union. We're going to follow the next election the union faces later in April, as well as the contract fights to come. In the meantime, though, it would appear that Amazon is not backing off their anti-union efforts. In fact, just the opposite. According to a report in The Intercept that we'll link to in the show notes, there is a planned internal worker chat app that the company wants to roll out in which the words union, restrooms, and plantation among others, would be banned. Now, Hmm. for what it's worth, the app was first conceived by Amazon executives back in 2021. A spokesperson for Amazon has also contested that these words will be screened out. But it's a pretty wild story, nonetheless. It is. And the fact that we could all really believe that it's true really says something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, the past few days have been uh, pretty packed with labor news in general. So what else is going on? Yeah, a lot has happened. So As we mentioned on yesterday's show, the results are inconclusive so far in the do-over vote at the Amazon facility in Bessemer, Alabama. The number of contested ballots there would actually determine the final outcome because the yes and no votes are quite close. So at this point, we're waiting to see what the National Labor Relations Board decides in terms of those ballots. Meanwhile, the unionizing effort that is sweeping Starbucks continues to gain momentum. The Reserve Roastery in New York City's Chelsea actually voted to unionize last Friday as well. That makes it the first flagship store to do that and the 10th unionized store across the country. Then yesterday, Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz announced that he was suspending the company's stock repurchasing program on his first day back at the helm. That is apparently intended to free up more money to invest in personnel and stores. So who knows, really, but it definitely feels like a response to the union push. Mm -hmm. He also said this during a town hall meeting. We can't ignore what is happening in the country as it relates to Companies throughout the country being assaulted Mm. in many ways by the threat of unionization. Assaulted. What a word choice. Crazy. (laughs) Just really incredible. Incredible PR they have. Yeah, it's going to get interesting. Um, Meanwhile, another lead union organizer said that she had been fired yesterday. And the NLRB had already issued a complaint against Starbucks for accusations that the company retaliated against other workers in Arizona who were seeking to unionize. So we'll definitely be following updates there and throughout the labor movement soon. But that is the latest for now. We're going to be back after some ads. (music) 
What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. doesn't have to be holidays specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love Fast Growing Trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, Fast Growing Trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Sacramento police arrested one suspect yesterday in connection to Sunday's mass shooting in the city's downtown. They charged 26-year-old DeAndre Martin with assault and illegal firearm possession. Officials also confirmed the identities of the six victims killed and announced that seven of the 12 surviving victims have been released from hospitals. Many other details of the shooting still have not been confirmed, including how it actually began but police said they recovered at least two handguns. In other news, the man responsible for the 2018 mass school shooting in Parkland, Florida, went on trial yesterday. Nicholas Cruz pleaded guilty to all charges, 17 counts of murder and 17 more for attempted murder. Jury selection began yesterday, and it will be up to the jurors to decide whether Cruz receives life in prison or the death penalty. The trial is expected to take weeks. But Cruz's attorneys say that if it is too difficult to find impartial jurors in Broward County where the shooting took place, then they may ask the judge to change the trial's location to elsewhere in Florida. 
A tag team of international reports came out yesterday with a clear message on the environment, a message that every policymaker should consider getting tattooed on themselves so they don't forget, maybe tattooed on their forehead. Might as well just get it tattooed on your face at this point. Please. Countries around the world need to take strong steps to curb climate change or else. The first came from the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. In its latest report, the panel said that if countries can't slash greenhouse gas emissions roughly 43% by the end of this decade, then the Earth will warm up by over 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit. It sounds like a little, but the panel says that just those few degrees will trigger worsening floods, more wildfires and droughts, and the collapse of various ecosystems. To prevent this from happening, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said that countries must pledge to do more than they are now. Climate activists are sometimes depicted as dangerous radicals. But the truly dangerous radicals are the countries that are increasing the production of fossil fuels. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization, or WHO, published its own report yesterday on climate. It said that 99% of the world's population breathes unhealthy air choked with pollutants. That can lead to health issues like respiratory diseases, cardiovascular issues, and more. As part of its report, the WHO also called on countries to help clear the air by cutting their dependence on fossil fuels. You have my permission to be incensed uh, about everything. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. have anything else to, pretty bad. to say. It's pretty bad. The pandemic is officially back on from the federal government's perspective as the Senate reached a bipartisan $10 billion deal yesterday to fund COVID relief. They had failed to reach an agreement last month. This new aid is going to go towards buying therapeutics and antivirals along with more tests and vaccines. Now, Democrats had hoped for a larger package that included more funding for global vaccination efforts, demonstrating a keen understanding of the concept of a global Pandemic, uh, but during negotiations, Republicans were on brand cheap and demanded to repurpose unspent money from 2021's pandemic relief to be used in this new package. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer released a statement saying, quote, many Democrats and Republicans are committed to pursuing a second supplemental later this spring. Schumer also said President Joe Biden supports this compromise and wants Congress to quickly pass this bill. There comes a time in every troll's life where he wants a bridge he can call his own. And for Elon Musk, <laughs> that time is now. Yesterday, okay. the Tesla CEO finalized the purchase of about $2.9 billion worth of Twitter stock, making him the largest individual shareholder on the platform where he regularly creates chaos. Wow. Musk owns 9.2% of Twitter now. And to put that into perspective, the recently departed CEO and co-founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, only owns 2.25%. <laughs> the market responded favorably to the news of Musk's acquisition, with Twitter's stock price rising by 22%. But what Musk has planned for his shiny new toy is uncertain. His 9% stake is considered passive, but he could still do a lot to influence the company in his posting history as a vaccine skeptic and self-styled free speech defender, has some insiders concerned that he'll try to push Twitter in a more libertarian and permissive direction. Because if there's one thing Twitter needs, it's more posts. Certainly. Musk's first tweet as a major shareholder read, are you ready? Quote, oh, hi, LOL. And it received over half a million likes, <laughs> reflecting a level of engagement that is truly worth any price. We need to get our investors together and get up to 9.3% yep. collectively. And then in all of the meetings, whatever Elon says gets outweighed by us. I think we can do it as a team. I think so too. And I think everybody listening should take it upon themselves to ensure that we have the money necessary to buy 9.3% of Twitter. So 
ask your friends, sell some wrapping paper, sell some Girl Scout cookies, but give us the money, etc. Yeah, you look for those coins in your couch. You mm-hmm. know, this it can't be that much. It can't be that much. We are the nine point three percent. That's and, true. And uh, and we are coming. We are coming. Uh, and those are the headlines. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, buy Twitter back from Elon, and tell your friends to listen. And if you are into reading and not just tattoos reminding world leaders about global warming, like me, <laughs> what it is, also a nightly newsletter. So check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and keep, keep rapping, rapping Sarah. Sarah. Just wrap your way to the losing end of this congressional race. Sure. To all of the above. <laughs> this is my response. Sure. <laughs> oh, boy. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine and Raven Yamamoto are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com.